Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. Bharati Jagdish and Timothy Go with you. Now, according to Randstad, 70% of Singapore workers are attracted to employers that offer attractive salaries and benefits. No secret, mm-hmm. right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I would have expected a higher number than that. But they do say that it would take more than a better salary and benefits to attract new talent. Mm. Well, outside of role fit and job satisfaction, job seekers are also looking for much more than that basic salary. And as companies increasingly look for new ways to attract the best talent to remain competitive, what more can they do if they want to hire more? Right, so let's find out. Jaya Das joins us now, Managing Director for Randstad Malaysia and Singapore. Hi, Jaya. Hi, Barty. Hi, Timothy. Thank you for having me. Nice to be speaking with you again. So, first of all, Jaya, tell us what the markers are of a good employer these days. What exactly are the people saying? Because I know that this is all based on the people's choices, right? You surveyed a lot of people. Absolutely. So, our Randstad Employer Brand Research is something that we sponsor or pay for, rather simply put. Uh, but we don't structure the research. So it's an independent market survey that basically goes to any of the markets that we survey to ask uh, the average average person. It's skewed heavily towards the working population of both the millennials and the Generation X to ask them how they would rate companies against top 10 factors and also highlight what are the top 10 factors that are important to them in terms of ranking between 1 to 10. So what you're seeing is a very interesting shift last year, uh, especially post-pandemic or rather pandemic recovery is what I should say, and that is going to take a while, mm-hmm. is people uh, sort of reprioritizing what's important for them. So pre-pandemic, I would say it was really very much about sort of, uh, you know, the tangible factors of uh, salary and benefits, as well as, you know, career progression, title, training, things like that. But with the reset button that's happened with people on what they want out of their lives between work and home, uh, particularly with the experiment of working from home, there's a bigger shift to work-life balance or work-life integration, if you like. And most people moved jobs in 2022 with work-life balance being the number one reason at 64%. Mm. So that seems to be the most important factor. Or would you say that there are others that are competing very closely for position number one or equally as well. I think that, yeah, the first thing is salary and benefits are still the number one factor at 70%, mm-hmm. but work-life balance inches up to 69%. Now, if you look at the trend in the last eight years, it's come up very gradually from being uh, in the late 40s, early 50s mark and up 20 basis points up to now almost 70. So that's the indication that you basically see where people are putting it on par to salary and benefits or money, uh, or at least maybe even in the years to come, it might actually supersede and become the number one reason. Subsequently, you see two other factors sort of tie-in, job security at 55% and a pleasant work environment at 55%. Now, what's interesting about this statistic is usually if you were to look at sort of where the market conditions are, if markets are looking a little bit more sort of bearish and it's in a recessionary area, people care more about job security and a financial standing of a company and less about the softer factors like a pleasant work environment. Mm -hmm. But right now, you see a two-pronged approach. You see uh, employees evaluating potential companies that they want to join for what sort of work environment they will face. At the same time, trying to evaluate if they're going to come out of a good recovery pattern from the pandemic and sustain the market conditions. So, so I would say there's an equal split between the two. Okay, Jai, what does this say, though, about today's job seekers? I think today's job seekers are quite polarized, if you were to look at them. And I think even more than ever, 
you see a generational gap between what is important to people um, as well as even maybe a gender gap. So you see mm. women having a higher expectation of their employers than men do, uh, primarily because it's kind of split between both the tangible factors as well as the intangible factors. Uh, so if you look at how women rank against men, for example, women's uh, third ranking is actually pleasant work atmosphere uh, or environment and work-life balance being the number one and then salary and benefits in between the two. When it comes to men, for example, it starts with salary and benefits followed by work-life balance and then long-term job security, primarily because they see themselves as the primary breadwinner for their their loved ones. And so job security ranks more importantly uh, for men than it does for women. Mm, Uh, I'm sure that will change as well as we move along. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And you start to see a very slow sort of shift uh, in the percentages. You don't see an overnight movement, but you see things creeping up and other things becoming less of a priority. Jaya, we did see the great resignation coming to the fore and yeah. a lot is being said about it in the Singapore context as well. The great resignation, the great reshuffle. But now I'm hearing more and more about the great apprehension, especially in the U.S. <laughs> because of the fear of a recession, a lot of companies who were at one point, very, very recently, in fact, dying to get top talent into their companies and paying high salaries, giving them great packages, even in terms of work-life balance benefits. Right now, a lot of employers are going, look, I need to cut staff. I need to make sure that I'm resilient during a recession if that occurs. So a lot of people are trimming staff and some analysts are saying that now you can expect employers to be less generous. What's your view on that? I think what's very interesting is any kind of research or material that you've seen in the last two and a half years is very systemic of what's happened in the last couple of months, and it shifts very quickly. So I think the first question to ask is, are we going through a wobble at the moment for a couple of months because of external market conditions, or are we truly in a recessionary market? Now, the two differences is when macro conditions are unstable, people go into a wobble mode, meaning to say that they're a bit more cautionary about making decisions in the long run, and they tend to keep their money until the the sky is a bit rosier to spend it if you like. Now, a recessionary market is an actual contraction, meaning to say that the growth is not strong enough to basically counter all of the sort of backtracking that's happening across the majority of industries. Mm. We now live in a work climate where it's never every, everybody crashes or everybody grows at the same time. It's a bit like an index stock fund. It's sort of mm. some goes up and others go down. The question is, if the overall expansion is bigger than the contraction, you avoid a recession. So now the question is, how many industries can sustain the change? I do think this macro condition situation will make everybody take a much longer wait and see approach. It's not just about the the, uh, the war conditions between Ukraine and Russia, but it's also the impact of that uh, economically, globally on what happens with the US and Europe and then how that trickles down to APAC. In an ideal world, I guess, you know, employers and employees would give and take and ensure that we're happy all the time. You know, employees are happy all the time. Employees are happy all the time, whether it's a recession or not, whether it's an employer's mm. market or an employee's market. But right now, it would seem that some employers are taking away benefits such as work from home or hybrid work and you know things like that so hopefully this doesn't get too much worse Mm. I think there's two types of companies post-pandemic or pandemic recovery. The first one are organizations who've learned from the last two and a half years, and they're beginning to acknowledge that the focus is on output, about productivity and sort of what uh, employees are able to produce as an outcome that leads the results, rather than inputs, which is how many hours I spend and what, how much of the hours I own an employee, so to speak. Uh, and what people are asking for is that work-life balance and the flexibility of time more than anything else. Mm 
because hybrid work has more or less been established as the go-to solution. So the next thing that then you pivot to is the flexibility of work hours. And there are two parts to it. Number one, I want flexibility so I can spend it with more people and this, or my loved ones rather. And this is what the research is indicating for us as well. The second one is a more underlying element where people want the flexibility because it is insane to assume that everybody is productive at the same rate between nine to six every day. You yourself have fluctuations in your health, how you feel, and it impacts you where you work better in some hours than others. Also, depending what your body clock is like, if you're a morning person or an evening person. And people sort of want these sort of timing flexibility from a company that allow them to do their greater work at a time that suits the employee while they're working from home. So this hybrid arrangement has actually got legs that are going to grow deeper in allowing an employee that flexibility. Jaya Das, their managing director for Randstad Malaysia and Singapore, joining us here to talk about the new survey that came out. Jaya, the most unmet expectation from employees is about work-life balance. How do Mm. you define this work-life balance? Because it would be different, as you mentioned, for each person and for each company for that matter. Exactly. I I think work-life balance as a concept is a little bit outdated. It also (laughs) is on a spectrum. So to me, it's a bit more about work-life integration if I had to change the language on how I would phrase okay. this. So the spectrum would depend where you are and what stage of your life, if you're a parent, if you're a caregiver, or if you want time not just for the dependence in your life, but more for developing yourself, growing yourself, uh, mm. doing social work outside and so on and so forth. So I think what people have sort of shifted to post-pandemic, it's more of an individual customized solution for what they need. And, and a, a general check and sense of whether the employer that they're working for is willing to allow them that flexibility and even at least ask the question. What do you need and how can we cater to it? Mm. You know, you also mentioned a pleasant work environment that a lot of people said that's important to them. Pleasant is also subjective, right? So (laughs) there's so many subjective markers here that I'm pretty sure a lot of employers are wondering how exactly exactly can I meet all of these needs? And I do know of employers who do very in-depth surveys with their existing staff and they listen to them very carefully. And a lot of the policies are tailor-made for each group or each staff member. But what if you're trying to attract new talent? What can you then do to strengthen the perception of your employer brand? I think there's a lag for most companies of not taking what they already do that's really good about them and actually publicizing that. Not enough content or material is on their website to basically give a sense for a newcomer who's coming in, what to expect and how happy or satisfied staff are, what do tenured staff say about the company, what are their work experiences, things like this are not visible. So I think companies need to take more time to communicate what works and what their value proposition is to future talent. This, I think, is the pivotal point because 52% of employees, when they're shifting, look at a company's website and basically any information that's out there on on the social media platforms to make their perception of a company as to whether they're a good employer or not. So a lot of care and time needs to go into that to get the right messaging out. Mm, And you also need to find out what would attract the kind of candidates that you want. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jaya. Jaya Das, Managing Director for Randstad Malaysia and Singapore. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.